Hi, you're listening to WRBH Radio 88.3 FM. This is your host of New Orleans by Mouth, Chef Amy Sens. And here in the studio today, I have Chef Susan Manick with Zazu. How are you doing, Chef? I'm doing great. How are you? Very well. I am so glad that you came in the studio to talk to me today. And for my listeners out there, if you have not been to Zazu, I'm just going to say that the space is beautiful. I was fortunate enough to uh, go in there after the um, to to work with a second harvest dinner, and I I think I asked you for the paint colors and everything by the time it was over. I was like, it's so calm and beautiful. So it must have been fun, huh? Oh, it was a blast renovating and going through all the construction and contractors and plumbing, electrical. It was a really good time. So what goes through your mind as a chef whenever you go, like the first thing that, you know, you say, okay, I'm going to open my own place. Walk us through like all, like what happened in your brain once you said, I am going to do this. Like, did you freak out? Did you get excited? Well, I think in the beginning I was a little nervous because this was a long time coming. And I pretty much looked at every restaurant space in New Orleans that was available. So when this one came on the market, it just seemed like a perfect size for me. It's close to my home. Um, Just I wanted a place that I can call my own. And it took a lot of, you know, adjusting and trying to focus more on the business aspect as opposed to just focusing on food. So that was a big learning curve for me. Now, whenever you started planning, you know, there are so many little things I think the average diner doesn't consider. Whenever they sit down, you know, it is a curated experience from before you walk in the door till when you leave and that someone picked out the silverware. Someone picked out what type of glasses were going to be used and what the environment was like. So how did you want your clients and guests to feel whenever they came in? Well, I wanted them to feel welcome. I wanted them because of the location, because it's a busy street, I wanted them to feel like bringing the outside in. And that's why we chose that beautiful green color. So people could feel a little bit like they're in a jungle in a way. So um, we want to make it really warm and comforting and calm and Um, cozy because it is such a small, intimate space. We wanted to make sure that the chairs were perfect, that the booths were perfect, and that um, it was a really nice place for people to come and dine. Now, when you were planning everything, did did your kids have opinions? Did your, you know, family have opinions? And how did you well, <laughs> how I did think, you manage that? Well, I think you know this very well that everybody has an opinion. But Absolutely. at the end of the day, I'll, I think I end up coming back to my first choice. And that's something that I like learned about myself was that I need to kind of go with my gut because you kind of go down this, you know, rabbit hole of like, oh, well, this will look good or that'll look good. And then you kind of get off of your focus. And I think I've learned a lot about myself throughout this process. Now, when you came up with the name of the restaurant, how did you come up with that name? Well, I had some help from a friend and I was kind of throwing around a lot of different things. Um, I definitely wanted something with the Z because my last name um, is Zemanic. So I wanted to incorporate that strong letter and I wanted to bring a little bit of my um, Slovak heritage in. So with doing a little research, we were able to come up with Zasu. And um, also like when one of the names that I came up with was Saz, um, was Sousa, which is what my grandmother used to call me, which is basically Zasu spelled, you know, move the letters around. So it ended up being a great play on words, and it means again in Slovak. So um, it has my name in it, has a Z, and it's kind of like my second coming. 
And, it, you know, it's very personal, which is, I think, whenever you're cooking for people, it's very personal. And so it's exciting that you have so much of you in every bit of the restaurant. Yes, that was important um, to me. And also, I would say that the hard, the two hardest things of opening a restaurant was picking out a name and finding comfortable chairs. <laughs> so, you know, just like, so when we got the name down, I was, you know, a weight was lifted off of my chest because I knew that at least I got one thing down. So did you just like get a whole bunch of chairs, light them up and I'll take turns sitting on them? Or? Just a few. <laughs> and now they're at my house and my kids get to destroy them. The, all the rejects are there. <laughs> yeah. All the ones that mismatch that you pull out for the crawfish boil because they're, exactly. they're hanging around the house. <laughs> well, so let's talk a little bit, you know, as a, you know, as a chef here in the city, working your way through the city, doing all that you've done and accomplishing what you've done. But you're a mom, you're a chef, you're an entrepreneur, you're a businesswoman. How do you juggle it all? With lots of help. Um, I'm, I've always worked long hours, but it's a little bit different having your own place. It feels good for me to walk into the restaurant every morning after I drop off my daughter at daycare. Um, it was hard in the beginning, and it was really hard on, on the family for me to go back to work from being, you know, on, like not working full time for two years. So basically what I try to do is make time for the family, and I surround myself with really great employees who understand when my babysitter can't work that day or if the child is sick and I need to go get her. Um, my husband's a great support, and just, you know, calling on friends and family and they all kind of pitch in and we help to make this restaurant work. Now, do you uh, test recipes on your kids? Um, n- not really. <laughs> I, <laughs> unfortunately, my kids are on a steady diet of rotisserie chicken, broccoli and mashed potatoes that right sounds now. Like my husband. <laughs> <laughs> but um, and they do like to test out the ice creams and desserts. Um, but, you know, it's hard because I'm at work during the day and she gets out of um, daycare at 5.30, and then all they really have time for is dinner and bedtime. So it's only a few hours that I'm not there, but, you know. I feel like kids these days are are so much further in what they're willing to eat compared to when I was a kid. I mean, I remember seeing things that were green, and I'm like, oh, no, I'm not eating that. But now I'm like, I can't get enough collard greens. I take my niece and nephew out, and they want sushi, and they want all this stuff, do you think that kids are just more exposed to food or you think we're like developing their palates differently? I think it's both. I think they are more exposed to food, but I try to give my kids a taste of everything that I'm eating. And my little girl loves caviar. We're going to, you know, squash that early on in her youth <laughs> because we can't, you know, live off of only caviar and king crab legs. But she loves to try those things. And on special occasions, we'll get them for the holidays. And I know that she will eat it if I put it in front of her. But it, I really just try to, I think that people are trying to expose their kids to more food just to make it easier too. No one wants to cook three separate meals just because you have a picky eater. Absolutely. And I'm I'm married to a sometimes picky eater, sometimes not a picky eater. So I, I feel you because uh, as a, a carb-loving lady and married to a man who doesn't love carbs, I do cook two dinners sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't imagine if I had three kids all with a different palate that we would be coming to you all the time to cook for us. That would be great. Bring- <laughs> <laughs> well, so let's talk a little bit about the menu and like... How 
How are you inspired? Where do you get your recipes? What are your what's your thought process? Well, um, having the freedom to do whatever I want is is great. Um, we don't really have a specific type of food or a, like an area that it's from. Um, I like to pull a lot from my chef de cuisines, my sous chef, my my cooks, just to have everyone involved in the menu because they're the ones that are cooking a lot of this food. And I want them to take ownership and be proud of what we're serving to people. So, you know, there's a lot of, if you look at the menu, it might not look like it's very cohesive, but when you actually dine and eat there, it all kind of goes together. We like to have big, bold flavors. We are focusing a lot on vegetables and seafood, local and non-local ingredients. And we just like to make things that taste good and that we like to eat. So therefore, it's kind. Of, you'll you'll see influence from Mexico, from the Mediterranean, um, a lot of Asian or Indonesian um, ingredients that we bring to the table, and it all kind of works at the end of the day. No, I, I know a lot of times chefs have their you know their style. It maybe you know I, I give me a fryer and I'm I'm a happy girl. I love to fry things, but to pickle and to preserve. And, no, I know about how much you love to pickle. And <laughs> yeah, I, I do have a pickle problem. I, uh, hi, my name is Amy, and I have a pickle problem. <laughs> but, you know, Chef Sue, I feel like when I think beautiful, elevated seafood, I, you know, I think of your style of cuisine. What is it about the ingredients that you use that you're like, this is, you know, I love cooking with seafood or I love cooking with these particular ingredients. Well, I would say that my love for seafood and fish came from the fact that it, fish tastes so different. You know, when you put three different types of fish in front of you, they all have different flavors, different textures. Some of them are oily or they're like white flesh fish or a salmon is kind of like somewhere in the middle. And you know, you, you can't really get that with pork and beef and chicken or poultry. It kind of all tastes like that one ingredient at the end of the day. But you can do so many different things with seafood. And we're surrounded by it down here in New, in New Orleans. And I also like to bring in stuff from other parts of the country where people might not be familiar with it. You'll often see, you know, octopus on my menu or halibut or things that not all the other restaurants are serving. And, you know, it's super fun, I find. There are certain things that when you travel, you go on vacation and you have it, but then you come home and you're like, oh, well, we don't have that here. And octopus is one of my favorites. And it's one of those things that if I am anywhere that serves octopus, I always order it because it isn't something that I can always get locally. You know, talk a little bit about, you know, when you're choosing those ingredients how do you know what the a regional diner is going to like? Like, how do you put those flavors together and say, okay, maybe they haven't had exposure to octopus, but I'm going to make it the best darn octopus they've ever had? Well, I think one of the things is to make those ingredients that people might not be familiar with accessible. So, like, for example, we pair our octopus with sugar snap peas, roasted peppers, uh, lemon garlic, aioli, Marcona almonds and Castle Vetrano olives. All those ingredients people are familiar with. They know what almonds are, olives, roasted peppers, and it's just all it's all about how we, you know, prepare the octopus, how we sous vide it and then finish it on the grill. And just making sure all the components to that dish taste really good on their own and can stand alone. And then when it comes together, that's when I think the magic really happens. 
Now, I know it's a difficult question to be like, what's your favorite thing on the menu? Um, because that's like saying, you know, choose your kids, choose your husband, which yeah. one do you like the best, right? But, you know, there have to be some things that you're like, when I, when people come in, you really should give this a try. Well, I think, of, like I mentioned, the octopus is probably our top selling dish. And that's one of my personal favorites. Um, I also love... Um, some of the things that we're doing with vegetarian dishes. We have two vegetarian appetizers on the menu, um, a goat cheese and artichoke annulotti, which is great for those carb lovers like you. And then we also, <laughs> you know, we have a, a really great um, king trumpet dish that's served with vaduvan butter and cauliflower puree and citrus suprems. And it's just kind of it sounds weird on the menu, but like once you eat it all together, it, it the citrus cuts through the fattiness of the cauliflower puree and the meatiness of the mushroom. And it's just, you know, it's exciting to cook these different dishes. No, it seems like there's a lot of thought process in the balance of the flavors and mm -hmm. on the dishes. And, you know, as a diner, do you want us to think about if my appetizer and my soup and my entree go together or do you think they just go together because they're on the menu? <laughs> I, think, I, I, I love that question. Um, well, it just depends on what you're what you're in the mood for. If you are feeling, if it's a rainy day and you want to eat a bunch of pasta and then move on to the pierogi dish, that's fine by me. It's up to you. And you're the diner. You can eat whatever you want. And you, just because you're having a Mediterranean-inspired appetizer, that doesn't mean you can't have the red snapper with the Indonesian eggplant curry. You can have whatever you want. You're the guest and you can drink, you know, a big red wine with that if you want as well. And there's, as a diner, it's fun to have your palate excited and to have different flavors. And I feel like in New Orleans, we kind of have two different schools of thought and how we cook or dine. And we have our old school where we go to the classic New Orleans restaurants. And every time we sit down, we always order. You know, if I go to Arno's, I'm ordering turtle soup. I tend to stick with the favorites. But then I feel like we have chefs like you and Kristen and, and other people who kind of change things up a little. And they go seasonal that when you sit down at the restaurant, you can you can eat something different or something like completely a different flavor every single time that you dine there, which is pretty exciting. It is exciting. And I feel the same way when I go to certain restaurants. I always get the same thing. But then there are other places where I'm more adventurous and try something new. And that's one of the things why it's important to me to have specials because that, that gives us the freedom to experiment, try new flavors, maybe test out some possible new menu items on you know, for a limited time and see how people respond to it. Now, when you're you're doing that and you're putting together all these these menus, um, is it the kind of thing that you have a, a binder and you're like, these are all the things one day I'm going to put into a dish? Or do you just wake up at three in the morning and go, oh, my gosh, I need to find a piece of paper and write all this down? It's a little <laughs> bit of both. I mean, I have a lot of ideas that I've come up with that I do I was like, that I'll do again. I'm like, oh, I forgot how good how good this dish was. Let's run this as a special. But most of it is going onto the truck and seeing what the farmers have and what they're growing locally and what's in season. And then I kind of just put it all together and hopefully, fingers crossed that it works. It all works. Are there certain things as we're getting into the summer months that we should be looking for on menus? 
Um, well, we're my, this is my favorite time of the year right now with the spring, and we're just you know we're hitting the peak of the corn season. Unfortunately, all the ramps, which is one of my favorite ingredients, is going to be they're going to be done if they're not already done. But um, summertime, I look for stone fruits. I look for um, you know lots of um, things that are growing. The radishes are starting to grow again. The corn, like I mentioned, will probably be a staple on my menu until it's done. And um, also just trying to see what I can source from other places. And, you know, there are certain things that I feel like um, we have to eat them every day when they are in season because our Mm -hmm. seasons can be so short. I was telling somebody recently, they were asking about Creole tomatoes. And I'm like, it's it's getting really hot really fast, y'all. It's going to be a short season. We have to um, really get all the tomatoes in that we can. And I'm pretty sure my husband and I eat like a tomato sandwich every, every day. day during tomato season. Well, I think everyone in New Orleans does. Don't but you? there, yes, I do. And in the summertime, there are certain things you just can't get enough of because you know that they're not going to be as beautiful or delicious once the weather changes yeah. again. Well, I feel that way about the Creole tomatoes. That I feel like they're right about to happen very soon. I see them on some of the lists from some of my farmers, and I'm waiting for that day so I can have my bunny bread sandwich with mayonnaise and salt and pepper. Absolutely. But, you know, like like this, like today, that earlier before I came in here, um, where I was peeling some peaches and they are just delicious right now. But I know the window's very short. And that was one thing f- coming from New York and Pennsylvania that I had to learn was that we have very short seasons here. And when summer comes, there's not a lot of stuff around. So we really need to be smart and try to find ways to use some of the things that are readily available in interesting, unique ways. Well, do y'all have any special events, any things that you're doing this summer uh, to get more people in the restaurant so they can try all these delicious summer vegetables? That's so funny that you mentioned that because we were just having a meeting before I came. And Um, y'all, she didn't tell me this. No, I didn't. (laughs) Well, we're just talking about how we're going to get people into the restaurant this summer because it's warmer out. People are on vacation. They might not be in town. A lot of people leave for the the hot months. So we're going to do some specials. Um, throughout the summer, let people try more of the menu, maybe do a three or four course, um, a smaller plate kind of culinary thing with a glass of wine and see how people respond to that. And also, you know, nice summer cocktails and maybe get some people in the door that way. And there's there we are so lucky here in South Louisiana because you do have the ability to use so many local products, local produce, local seafood but with the way that we have access globally to product, I, I can only imagine the sky is the limit on what you're going to be able to do. <laughs> exactly. And and I'm a firm, like I try to use as much local ingredients as possible. But like I said, the seasons are short and I can't get a carrot or onions or potatoes or garlic locally at certain times of the year. So we do have to source those from other places. No, I know during the summertime, maybe people get together and do events, maybe a family reunion or they're celebrating a graduation and finally the whole family is in town and able to come and celebrate. Do you all offer like private parties and things for people to just rent out the whole space? We do. We um, offer private lunches or brunches um, Monday through Saturday. And we have some great menus set aside. We also let them, you know, choose from our regular menu. So we're hoping to get a lot more parties in this summer. 
Well, great. Well, tell everybody, you know, where you're located, how they can find out a little bit more. Great. Um, we are located at 127 North Carrollton, right at the corner of Carrollton and Canal Street. And you can find out more information about Zasu at zasunola.com. And, you know, we can follow us on social media at Zasu Nola or at Chef Susie. Chef Susie, I like yes. that too. <laughs> or Chef Suez. <laughs> so, Chef Sue, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions that you are not prepared for, but I'm going to throw them out at you. So the first question is, if we opened your refrigerator at home, what are we going to see in it? A watermelon, uh, tons of yogurt drinks for the kids, lots of probiotic bugs, as they call them, and cucumbers, broccoli, red peppers, what else? Some chicken legs. I think that's about it. Awesome. I now, just went shopping yesterday. So, I got <laughs> so you know exactly mangoes, what's in there. <laughs> cherries, grapes. Now, are you a, um, a labeler on your refrigerator at home? Like, do you label all the stuff that's in it for your when kids? I, when I was on um, maternity leave, I labeled everything. Now that I'm at work all the time, I'm, you know, I'm trying to rifle through my husband's leftovers from t- um, takeout. Yeah. So, no, not anymore. <laughs> open the box, give it a little sniff and go, hmm, okay, no, not that one, right? I don't even open the box. I usually <laughs> just throw it away. Well, now, if you could travel anywhere in the world, like say I won the Powerball tomorrow and I said, hey, Chef Sue, I won the Powerball. Let's go somewhere and learn about their food. Where would you go? I would go to Southeast Asia. Just to, I've been to Thailand, but I'd like to go explore more of Indonesia and Vietnam, Philippines, That whole area is really intriguing to me. And what do you want to learn? I want to learn all of their secrets. I want to, (laughs) excuse me, I want to learn how they, how they make the food so tasty. I want to learn their techniques and what, what people do that is behind the scenes that I don't know about from reading a book. And so do you want to work with other chefs? Do you want to work with... I want to work with like a like a little old grandmother that knows how to make the best of whatever dish she is her family specialty and then move on to the next little old lady. It's so funny how our brains work like that. I just got back from Sicily and I asked people what they wanted pictures of. And they're like, we want pictures of little old men cooking because that's what our brain says. That is the best food we're going to have is when someone's grandmother or grandfather mm-hmm cooks it for you. So that's where I guess we would learn the secrets. Well, I think so. And I think that's where I learned all of my secrets was my grandmother. So, yeah. Well, I'm going to ask you one more question and because I know we're almost out of time, but I feel like we could talk for hours if I just, if I even said, tell me about your grandmother. So, <laughs> but, but listen, if you were, we, I had this conversation with some clients the other day where we said, okay, if you were on an island and the, they said, okay, you can, you have a knife and you have fire. What other, what things do you want like to eat well on that Island? Do you want the food or do you, do I need that to say the equipment? No, you don't know. <laughs> Just like, you know, do you want, I want coconuts Okay. and fresh fish. Okay. And if you can bring anything with you on that Island, an ingredient. Mm. Ooh, that's a tough one. We, we, I think we all hope that the island provides, right? I, I hope so, too. <laughs> One ingredient, wine? Yes, yeah. yes. I, I feel like if we had some wine or some or, rum. Or maybe, yeah, or, yeah, mezcal. 
Yeah. Tequila? Something to put in the coconut. <laughs> and maybe, and there's going to be limes there. Yes. It's going to be a tropical island. We're going to be fine. I can drink it without the lime. It's fine. <laughs> well, I love it. So um, if you, if I win the Powerball, we'll go to Southeast Asia. Right. And um, if you ever decide to, you know, sign up for Survivor, I'll make sure that you get um, an island with coconuts. And, and wine. And wine. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much, Chef Sue. I really appreciate you being here. If you'll tell everybody one more time where you're located and how they can find out more about you. Great. We're at 127 North Carrollton Avenue, and you can find out more about Zasu at www.zasunola.com. All right. Well, y'all have been listening to WRBH Radio 88.3 FM. This is your host of New Orleans by Mouth, Chef Amy Sins. Until next time, ciao.